Escape from Plan A. Welcome to Escape from Plan A. This is your host, Teen. Uh, uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, some movies today, but just some quick housekeeping as usual. Uh, the Patreon gets ever closer to the hundred fifty mark. That's Isn't that right. right? How close are we? Like, I think I we're like checked. ten away or, or something. Oh, like we're that. ten away. We're, we're close. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you're really you're really nervous, but clearly <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm excited, ex- guys. Yeah, clearly I'm excited. this was not yeah this was not a real challenge. This is like what you <laughs> want to do. Okay, so we're actually in a studio today. Uh, we've got Millie. Millie, how's it going? Great. Yeah, she you're a friend of the pod, so like you know everyone knows who you are now. Uh, hey guys. But your 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 opinion matters a lot because you're the one closest to the industry of film, and your opinion matters more than all of us. So thanks for coming. That could not be less true, <laughs> by the way. You're gonna school us on the technicalities of the film. That no, we will, so. you guys are really tuned into films. We'll see. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and Diana, how, Diana, how's it going? Pretty good. In person, finally. Yeah. All the way down from Boston. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, and Mark. I saw your I saw your dim sum, Diana. Yeah. The picture of the cute little animals. Yeah. Was... You monster! You <laughs> ate those cute little animals. They look super yummy, though. What? The pig even like had like a little tail. Even. Are those the kind that you can like slap with the spoon and their their ass yeah, jiggles a little jiggly. bit? Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay so yeah, good. nice. Yeah, I've seen those. Oh wow. Oh. And I, of co- want, I want to do that. I want to sexually harass the jiggly dim sum. <laughs> yeah. Before you devour their heads. Yeah. That's what all the TikTok videos are. It's like a lovely, they spoon it a little bit and they smack it on the ass. And then the duck's, the duck's tail is like, does a little wavy thing for a little bit. It's very. I want, I want to do that in, with that like slow mo video now. Oh, you should. Yeah. Oh. Next time. Next super slow mo jig. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Super focused. Yeah. We've got a very t- uh, sophisticated technical setup. We've got Jess patched in all the way from LA. Jess, how's it going? Uh, it's hot. And trying to not hear about another mass shooting. Oh, yeah. That's what's going over here in California. Bummer. What a bummer. <laughs> I feel like I thought like, way down. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and Mark, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Um, okay, so I, I guess we're all gathered here to talk about um, The Farewell, which we've all had a chance to see. And I think it's already hit its uh, general release mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, we all saw it. I think um, it's like what the second film of director Lulu Wang. It's um, and it's an American produced film, but it's filmed in China. I think it's almost like eighty percent in Chinese. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I mean I can give a brief. Does anyone want to give a brief like just brief synopsis? There's not much to it, but. Uh, I can do it. I can give it a shot. Yeah, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this isn't really a spoiler because if you've seen, if you've seen even the trailer, they're pretty open about you know the sense, the premise of the movie, which is about uh, a health issue that grandma, the matriarch of the family in China, is facing, and it's a, and it's, uh, and it's a, an exploration into the family's struggle with that diagnosis. And uh, you know how to be a family, 
uh, in light of this terrible thing that is happening to their beloved matriarch. Um, so, I mean, so I think people have been pretty, I think the trailer is pretty upfront about saying that, you know, it's about telling uh, Grandma uh, from here on up, Nine Nine, uh, a lie. Mm-hmm. And the family is engaged in a uh, in a in a charade, basically. I think that's, uh, I don't want to go into that a little further, but I think in Western conversation, it would be portrayed as a charade that the family is putting on to hide the the fact of her diagnosis from Grandma, as a kind of play act being a family one last time in light of this tragedy. Yeah, but I don't quite. I don't. I, I think that's how it would make sense in a Western context, how you would summarize that in the soundbite. But I think all of that. I think that's why we're here. We're going to unpack all that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought twice, by the way. Oh, did you really? Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, so did, Lily yeah. as well, right? Yeah. 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 I caught I, it over at Angelica. Um, like when it was in its sort of pre-release screening period, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like mostly white people, but yeah. with like a good, like with a good number of Asian people mixed in. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I think like from based on, so Aquafina is sort of like the star of the, um, movie. There's, there's a, there's, it's a big, pretty large ensemble cast, I would say, right. For a small movie like yeah, that. Yeah. Like eight or nine characters. Yeah. yeah. And it's spread pretty fairly. Like, I mean, I, I feel like some of the reviews that I've seen are like, uh, oh, other than Aquafina, all the characters are sort of cardboard cutout characters, which I did not. That's not that's true. That's not that's true not at true all. At all. Yeah. I've heard some people say that. I feel like it got really good reviews in the U.S., but when it I did. read the reviews, they tend to mischaracterize the movie a little bit. And one of the ways in which they do that is to suggest that the movie is sort of like an ethical examination or exploration of this lie that they're giving. And I didn't really think it was about ethics or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Not really. I mean, yeah. the little bit of that that they explored, it was more of a character study yeah. um, than some sort of deep dive into the ethics of whether you should, you know, hide a, a fatal diagnosis. Which is um, a tiring discussion, to be even honest. Even a shallower yeah. take, which I'm thankful uh, not that many people have uh, trotted out and they're quickly called out and corrected when they do, saying like, oh, this is an examination of, you know, this exotic Chinese custom of lying to your elders. Yeah. Right. right. It, yeah. So that, that's the even shallower <laughs> to that. Which yeah. presented as like, oh, we're just going to take a look at this crazy ass cultural practice. Well, uh, and I'm, that, I'm not surprised that some people might have that because I think that's like the only, or that's the main thing that for a Western audience that they would like sort of latch on to, that they can sort of be like, oh, this is something fascinating. Now I want to explore it about this movie. Um, and they yeah, miss a lot I mean, of the I other stuff. I've seen like some hints of that, and then you know, and then the, there's pretty quick, you know, like you see in the comments or something, or like an editor's note later on, like re, like rewording that or retracting that. Mm. Um, so there's, and not a lot of reviewers, like in the in the canonical big newspapers, have been that shallow. So it, so let's be grateful for. <laughs> so I, I've, I've talked to every I think I've, we've all talked about the movie together at some point and out of the five of us I think three of I would Diane would you consider yourself like uh, like you really there was a you saw a lot of depth to the film or something oh, yeah, like you connected totally. to it a lot yeah. I would say three of us and I feel like this movie kind of triggered this reaction a lot I think everyone agrees it's a good movie right like no one's coming out of that and saying mm-hmm. that was a badly made movie or it was stupid 
Um, but I think it's kind of like a mix between fairly lukewarm reaction versus holy shit, I couldn't, I was like, I was losing my shit as I was watching it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think three of us, including me, uh, that would be uh, me, Jess, and Diane. I kind of felt like that the movie was something, well, I don't want to speak for you all, but I felt the movie was something quite new. I'd not seen a movie like this before um, where it's, um, I don't know, just the, I hate the word authenticity, but just the accuracy of it in a way. The, the, the accuracy of the tone, the accuracy of the, you know, the character Billy and her, and not just not just the characters, but their relationships with each other. It was so uh, uncanny for me how accurate it was, um, down to just little details, uh, which we can go into later. Or I think, and and I think this just depends on whether the movie. I, I don't know what it depends on, but I feel like the movie can elicit a kind of. Um, I don't know. What was your how how did how did you all feel about it on the on the sort of not blown away camp it's a really good movie mm -hmm. and i want everyone listening to this pod to please go see it if if it's playing in in where you live um because i think there's for any asian american there's you know a lot to um take in from it and you know uh although so i've seen it twice although on the first viewing I I wasn't I felt as I tweeted about I, I felt like I was kind of watching it from this you know distant objective point mm -hmm. of view um it, it actually it means a lot to me that it was moving to you guys you know like that in itself um gave me pause and you know is is meaningful in itself, because I, I kind of feel like, you know, it's not just about my particular point of view. Like if, you know, if it resonated strongly with you, teen, or you, Diana, or you, Jess, like that's, um, that's huge. You know, I think uh, Lulu did a great job. I mean, the movie definitely accomplishes what it set out to accomplish. <clears throat> um, it's incredibly well acted, I think. Yeah. Yes. I, I, don't I would agree with that. I don't know. I mean, I, I was not crazy about Aquafina. I kind of felt she was the weak, weak link, actually. Hmm. But in particular, I loved the woman who played Nai Nai, uh, Zhao Shuzhen, and also the guy who played the uncle, uh, yes, Jiang he was, he was good. Youngbo. For some, those two were basically my favorite. But I just thought the ensemble was really strong. Um, you know, it's it's a good. I, I like movies about going home, you know, so I just always think that's a cinematic topic that's worthy of a movie. Um, I think some of the criticism was like that the movie didn't have a lot of character arc and there doesn't seem to be any resolution to any of the problems like, you know, um, and I can kind of see that. I mean, the movies, it's kind of a slow burn of a movie. It's not. You know, but, but don't you kind of think that like? See, actually, I think that's. I think they're not picking up on the right thing. I think they're actually yeah, using character development at an arc, a very strong one, but it's one that is not supported by any narrative around uh, immigrants or second generation immigration trauma. We don't. I don't think we're really primed to see it. It took me a while thinking about it to actually come to what. Uh, 
to what that arc is. So it seems like a kind of plotless movie if you don't see it. Um, but then if you see it that way, like Billy's actions in the second half of the movie make almost no sense. Right. I mean, uh, to me, the so fact... I, say that I don't know if it's premature to start talking about it, so maybe I'll just leave it there, but, uh, but I definitely see it a very powerful arc there. That is, And I think we need to break away from looking at just the characters themselves, because the whole movie is about an, how an individual is actually part of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you take a look at kind of that systems-level view of the family through the eyes of Billy in that case, I mean, you see, you absolutely see where her arc is going. She is trying very hard to become part of this family. Yeah, yeah. being so boxed like out. The, the lie that, yeah, that lie about, you know, Nine-Eye's diagnosis, cancer diagnosis, is not actually the, the hinge that the movie, that the character uh, arc revolves around. It's a, renegoti- a personal renegotiation of what it means to be part of a family. Yeah, given, the, the way I saw what it was the way I saw it was like um, there was the uh, you know external plot, which is like what happens in the movie. But the what the movie is actually about isn't what's going on in the plot, right? And I feel like that's yeah, like yeah. very. I don't know if it's Asian or Chinese, but it kind of like is how a lot of the stuff. Like, the really meaty parts of the movie, the parts that really resonate, like, it's not what's going on in the movie. It's it's not yeah. what somebody is saying to another person mm-hmm. or doing to each other. It's what's left unsaid. And if you don't understand the context of that, like, you're basically left out. Yeah, it's also very much about how certain problems, you know, having to do with immigration and trauma resulting like have no resolution that's that was one of my takeaways yeah for sure that that's important yeah there because is yeah. no solution to this problem yeah i think american audiences even in films that you might think are adjacent or sort of similar to the farewell and in, in that they're about going home or uh they're about sort of relationships between people or families there is a very like spelled out character arc. Like I think I, I think of a movie like uh, Manchester by the Sea or something like that, where it there isn't a lot of action, so to speak. There's a lot of talking and moving about, you know, house and a and a town. Um, but there is a defined arc. You know, there's like you know the, the people change and they change in a visible way. And I think American audiences are just sort of trained to see that. And when it doesn't happen and it's more in what isn't said or isn't done, it's very confusing. Um, so from a general sort of movie perspective, um, I, I saw it yesterday, <laughs> so it's pretty fresh in my mind. Awesome. And, what's that? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was good, not great. Um, I, I more, uh, I more identified with the, the girlfriend who was, spoiler, was supposed to get married to, um, to the cousin <laughs> because I was, cause I, I was, I, I, I more identified with her because I was sort of, she was the, you know, the person who didn't speak Chinese at all and couldn't, didn't know what was going on. And <laughs> I've been in, I wasn't in a sham marriage thing, but I was in a situation where, you know, I was in a, yeah, you know, I was, my ex-wife is Chinese and I was sort of in that scenario. So I was like, Oh my God, she's and, you know, so I was sort of focused more on that maybe than maybe I, I should have been, but that's sort of what, what caught me. Um, but 
Yeah, it was I, it was enjoyable, but it was like 90% white people in the theater, and that was uncomfortable. Oh, were they like um, laughing at inappropriate times? Well, I didn't even know when I was supposed to laugh. So like <laughs> I laughed, but I don't think anyone in the audience other than myself and my, my wife were, were laughing. There, one of the moments that was that was when the uncle um, was was giving uh, a, a speech at the at this at this mock wedding mm -hmm. and totally loses the lines and, and goes into this. Shit. He's losing yeah. his shit because he realizes this is really uh, a sort of Goodbye, this yeah. is his eulogy to his, his mother and, right. and all the guilt comes out. And it hits him real hard, and he's crying on stage. And I was like, "Am I supposed to let like? Because it is kind of funny in a way, right? Because he's right. This is not appropriate. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Like, and then, and then I think Lulu Wang she she cuts out to like sort of like a a wide angle shot of it to show the sort of ridiculousness of the situation. And and I was like, "Wait, I think I think this is funny." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it was meant to be a dark sort of absurd right. humor, no, but I, there I is absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 See, I, I laughed. I mean, I laughed throughout the entire movie, and it, I found like I don't know this movie. I was a freaking mess. I started crying like three minutes into the movie, <laughs> <laughs> like three minutes yeah. in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It took no time. But it's like, it's the little things that I, I know. It's the I know it's a it's about a Chinese American woman and her relationship to her very Chinese family. Um, uh, but I also felt like, like I saw my grandma in Nine Nine, honestly. Sure, yeah. You know that first phone mm -hmm. call that the movie opens with? Um, I mean, the little lies that you just have to tell to maintain the deeper truth, which is, you know, you want to stay in touch with your grandma back home, but how are you going to, are you going to derail a conversation to explain what a, like a Greenpeace, Right. Activist soliciting signatures is going to be about. No, you say no. Like my friend, my friend wanted. To, yeah, whatever. Anyway, right. Grandma, continuing. You know, like you just. I I don't know. Like just that first thing. Like I just started sobbing because it's just like so true to how I would have to talk to my grandparents. Most of my relationship with my grandparents was actually over the phone. Yeah. We went back to mm -hmm. visit often, but these like daily like these little. You know, the touch points that actually create a family bond, those were all over the phone. Um, and this is just how we would have to talk. I'm sure she, they left out a lot of stuff that they thought I wouldn't understand. And I, I couldn't really explain, you know, everything going on with my crazy, you know, like very intensely American life, right? And none of that really matters. Like these little lives don't matter. Um, I, I realize I probably, if you take that out of context, I sound like a sociopath, but, no. um, but like, this is part of what it means to be, you know, an immigrant or the child of immigrants, trying your damn best to keep some semblance of the connection alive. There's just some things you can't share completely, but I mean, but we're all talking in code here, right? Like grandma asking Billy if she has a hat from literally like 10,000 miles away, right? Mm. Like that's, Right. A meaningful thing is saying, you know, I'm thinking about you, despite you being all the way over there, both geographically, culturally, all of that, so far away. But I still love you. I'm thinking about you, and I want you to be warm, safe, and happy, and all of that. Well, wasn't right? it more that she didn't so, want her ear earrings to be stolen? I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> there's, I think, I think with the, the, there's something about this movie that's really interesting because it doesn't, it's not just this. It, it shows up in other movies as well. Uh, Chinese, usually Chinese movies, 
but that there's often like a special link between um, the granddaughter and the grandmother mm. that's not there between the granddaughter and her mother. And in some ways, that's not between the mother and the grandmother either. It, it's sort of like this closeness that skips a generation. I talked to some people about this. It's actually, you know, I've seen it. My sister and my grandmother were kind of like that. Um, uh, you know, I there's just there's this close there's a closeness between the Chinese grandmother and the granddaughter, um, in particular, and some have said that they think it's because um, a lot of Chinese families the grandmother actually raises, it acts as a nanny like a full time mm. nanny basically for the for the for the children and then that there's a there's a, that the bond between the uh, you know the a girl and the grandmother kind of tends to extend longer um yeah that's especially true for immigrants like i know i yeah. and a lot of people that i know who are um chinese immigrants like they like the parents immigrated first for you know up to like a few years at mm -hmm. a time and then they would come back for the kid you know to immigrate with them but that's like a you know that's a big gap in like a really critical time of childhood development or, or like um what's it called attachment development where you're like away from your parents and then your grandparents become your primary caretaker and so like there's probably a lot of people that have like a stronger emotional bond to their grandparents than to their actual parents because of that. Yeah. But I think, I mean, usually that's a very, it's, that's a very sort of like personal, like it's, you very, I mean, the way you experience that is very personal to your family or whatever. Right. And I think what this movie does is there's a couple of, one is when that bird, you know, it keeps like the birds keep showing up, like the bird like flew into her apartment. Uh, I remember my, my sister telling me that like when my grandmother passed that some bird had visited her. I was like, this is weird, right? I, I don't know if this is like a thing that they – is this like part of like Chinese superstition or something about birds or something? Because I wasn't sure about that. I didn't that. know what the symbolism was for that other than maybe like a, a – like something, something that was like unlikely that happened. Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea what the symbolism was supposed to be. Yeah, it was just uncanny, right? Because I had heard the same thing. And then the other was when uh, they're they're kind of they're leaving. And this is the part that I think kind of changes the movie a little bit. Was the was sort of towards the very very end, where they're having kind of an awful goodbye because it's that weird moment where you kind of know this is probably it. This is probably it. And I've seen that, and I was like, ugh, I, this is a bad moment. Mm. This is a bad moment, especially, like, you know, with immigrants where you can't see, you know, your family all the time. There is going to be one where you're, like, 80% sure, 90% sure that's the final one. And you're like, ugh, this this movie's rough. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. like, like, that's exactly the last memory I have of my grandmother. Yeah. Alive, right? actually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, I mean, it was a whole tearful thing. I mean, I was a mess. My grandma was, a, and she's a really reserved, kind of really proud woman. But like, um, but I just remember, like, it was so unexpected. She just kind of like broke down. She's like, I, you know, my babies. Like, we got it. You know, this is tough. And I remember her like, like actually like running to like running behind the cat to wave. And that's the last memory I have of her. Yeah, I was like yeah. maybe eleven, right? The next time, the next time I saw her, uh, like we knew, like we got the call that she was very sick, so we hopped on the plane. She died on the flight. 
uh, while we were in the air. Jeez. Yeah. So, no, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember when my, my grandmother was, was sick and, uh, you know, it's not the same uh, as if it's like all the way from, you know, from China to America or Korea to America. But you know, I think that sort of situation where if you're not living in the same town and you've got to actually get on a plane or something and travel, that experience of saying goodbye and not knowing is sort of a universal thing. I don't think anyone needs to be an immigrant to sort of re recognize mm -hmm. that moment, right? Obviously, there are specific you know, things that are, are unique or, or common to immigrants other than, than other people. But, you know, I can totally relate to that when, you know, I was lucky enough to not have to, like, fly in, in emergency. But you never know when, you know, someone's been sick for a while and then you're, you're called that you've got to go. And you never know if it's going to happen or they're going to hang on. And I don't know what I would do if, you know, I'd been in that situation, Jess. That's just horrible. I have to say... I mean, I was too young um, to really process that. Yeah. But, but so, like, literally, like, the last image I have of my grandma is actually, um, like, the most vivid because of her unexpected emotion mm -hmm. uh, and saying, having to say goodbye to us. And literally the next image I have of her is her lying, like, her lying, uh, her being, like, I don't know what the term is, uh, but she was lying on the table for her own for her funeral. Right. Except, mm. like, like, there's a discontinuity there that you know, I there's just no way to resolve. And, right. And, like, and the one minute she's there, the next she's not. And with the character Billy, with her grandfather, she never never even got that. Yeah. I mean, she so, she the last time he had she had seen him was like what when she was like six, and then he was just gone, and they didn't let her go to the funeral. So, like, she doesn't even have that resolution of, like, being there for the funeral. Yeah. So, I think the real emotional, like, pivot for the movie is actually that scene somewhere in the middle of the movie when Billy faces off against her mom in the hotel room. That's what I'm talking Billy about, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think that's where we actually get to what this movie really gets to. It's not about the lie about grandma's cancer diagnosis. It's what Billy lays out to her mom. I had no say in this process. I I didn't have a say when I was six to image to be you know moved across uh, the planet to America, right? I had literally no say in anything, right? But here I am getting shit on both sides. Like you're on my case, Uncle was just on my case. Everyone is on my case for somehow not knowing knowing what to do or not being not being tuned in enough, right? But the Ultimate injustice is that I had no fucking say. There was nothing I could have done to change how this happened. And you guys let me down in a very critical way. You decided what I needed to be doing. You decided, you decided for me what was good for me or what I needed. And that had nothing to do with what I actually needed. Uh, Unk was a dick. So that's, he kind of <laughs> was a dick. He was. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think a lot of people miss, like... <laughs> There's these signals going on in the movie, but I think that one is actually the one that makes that that speech that Billy gives is what actually gives narrative, um, uh, like makes the narrative resolution for me uh, for the movie to kind of pave the way for what she does in the second half. I think some reviewers were a little confused. They're like, she's standing up. Billy is standing up for you know Western traditions of ethics and truth telling <laughs> and making sure Grandma <laughs> has her rights. Mm. 
And then the know. second half of the movie, she kind of capitulates to her overbearing family. That's that's kind of how it's interpreted. But uh, but I think what's what's real is what's but what that's not what's actually going on. I yeah. think, I think the she real realizes is that Billy was saying she deserves the right to be a full member of this family, right? If they're all participating on this lie that she wants to, she still has the right to be a part of that process. If they're all playing their own little roles, and that's what it, that's what family means, and she wants the right to be able to do her part with agency, with consent, with all the information she has. She wants in on that entire process of being a family. Yeah, but I I just feel like she's also that's like her realizing, oh, like me being upset about what we're doing to slash for grandma for Nine is actually a projection of my immigrant trauma. You know, I think that's that's why she, quote unquote, capitulates. It's not like she just like backs the fuck off. She's like, oh, I've put my shit out there. I don't need to put that shit on the family situation anymore. Yeah, but, yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, and she's too, and family is about dissent too. It's not about just being a Borg, right? Families are messy. You, everyone has a different opinion, and you work through those together with the understanding, just with a more basic understanding that everyone hopefully has your back in the end. I'm with you. I, I was really pissed off about her family. I think, and this is something that made the movie go to the next level because it's sort of reaffirming some really negative feelings but in justifying them right like that's not something that movies generally are celebrated for to say like yeah there's resentments there and they're justified i think first of all the the part that really started pissing me off was the way her mother sort of just like boxed her out from going to china her yeah. mom was just like, yeah, yeah, you're not going. No one trusts you. And I've seen that before. And it's it's just like, what? what? Like, yeah. is that Ooh. intentional? Right? Like, that kind of cruelty is, like, almost intentional. My family does that. You, you know? Yeah, and and, and yeah. But you need to see it. Because I've seen it. I'm like, well, I don't know the whole story. But then I'm like, well, if it's happened, you know, like, this is yeah. freaking cruel. Like, why would she say? And I think that. Um, I mean, this is from the very beginning. When she talks about, she has, this is the kid. Uh, who actually has memories of a life in China, yeah. surrounded by friends and family, in a highly socialized context there. And then, boom, one day she's pulled out from us, uprooted from all of that, and she's playing piano in some white church. Yeah, right? and, and I think the, the actress... I think it's, uh, it's Di- a reaction to how fucking dare you... Like, I know you're my parents, and the charge, you tried your best to do, quote, what is right. But, you know, how dare you accept your own bullshit uncritically and then project that onto me, right? Yeah. I, I was so like, curious yeah. about that scene, Jess, that I, I started tweeting at the actress who played the mom because I, I wanted to know, like, what are you – Are you, did you play it that way because you're just that person you're not aware or you are, you know, like, I was like, who is this person? Because she was so convincing. Right. And she replied and she was like, <laughs> I've got to explain myself in Chinese. I can't explain myself in English. And she was basically saying that – I mean, she's like every aspect of that character was intentional. She was like, right. it was thought out. I poured my heart and soul into that character. Cool. I'm aware that she's a bitch, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. Let's just <laughs> a bitch on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like, well. I'm glad that recognized and that. And a little mm-hmm. bit of dialogue just fleshed that character out beautifully. Yeah. And yeah. that little line, you know, I thought, you know, there's that subtext 
in the movie about how Billy's dad went through, uh, you know, a drinking problem, uh, some marriage problems, and it's just hinted at. So you can kind of see these layers of disappointment, you know, bottled up, anger issues, alienation, you know, dissatisfaction with uh, how their big gamble for life didn't quite pan out the way they wanted it to. You can just see it in this character and how she interacts with people. And then the next part that, you know, that was, was really, it was right before that scene uh, where you, you got, you are, were all referencing where uh, Billy kind of confronts her mother at the hotel about, you know, um, right before that, what led up to that was where the, you know, she goes to that like sort of dimly lit bar in that tourist hotel that they're at really not when I, I really like that scene. It was a really beautiful scene. Um, they're the, the, the dad, her dad and her uncle brothers who have, you know, both moved away from the mother, the, the, the uncle lives in Japan. You know, her father obviously moved to the United States. They're both feeling awfully guilty about abandoning their mother. Mm -hmm. They're, they're having a cigarette, they're drinking and the uncle just unloads on Billy about how, you know, you know, you don't understand. Like, first of all, the reason we didn't want you here, which like, thanks for fucking explaining why you don't want me here, <laughs> yeah. is that you don't understand, like, you know, the nature of, e I think he says Eastern people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He really yeah. does. I, th yeah, yeah. I think, I forget what he said in Chinese. Did he say, like, yeah, sorry, yeah, like, or whatever? Like, well, Asian, I think right? that scene. Yeah. Dong Fang Ren. But that scene is probably why all the reviewers are sort of, latching on to this East versus West sort of culture sort of war thing. Yeah. I think that scene with him saying that is probably why they're like, oh yeah, this this movie is a treatise on the difference between the West and the East and Billy going after her mom is her defending Western honor. So they like completely misconstrue that scene. I think it was but a treatise. I think it was, a, yeah, exactly. I think it was a treatise on how the yeah. uncle's a dick. Well, it is. <laughs> and, and he unloads on her saying like, yeah. you know, we don't want you here because well, we didn't want you here Basically, because you're an American, right? And us East, basically, like every like you're so different from us that I'm not even gonna say that like you're not Chinese or you're not you don't really understand this family. No, you're like not of this hemisphere. Like that's yes. how fucking alienated <laughs> I think you you're are. You're not right? of this half. You're of not of this hemisphere, yeah. and you think that like you know your life only belongs to you, and you don't understand that you're a part of a greater whole. Therefore. That's why you shouldn't be here. And right. I felt like immediately I thought that the scene following made so much sense because she didn't choose that. Yeah. Like, whose fault yeah. is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So not only do you have to suffer, like, this sort of bullshit from your uncle. Well, bullying by her mom this, and her uncle. This bullying yeah. and boxing out, this continual, like, exclusion. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it wasn't even her choice, right? Yeah. So that scene yeah. pissed me off. So yeah. bad. Okay, yeah. look, like he he specifically said, like you don't understand what it's like to carry anybody else's emotional burdens, which, which is bullshit it's because bullshit. she carries her whole family's emotional she carries burdens. Her whole, it's like <laughs> I don't tell my parents all the racist shit that I deal. I just like let that stuff go, or like I deal with it on my own to fucking make their lives easier and i have done that my entire right. life that is like my entire existence and childhood and honestly for to hear like anybody say that i yeah. saw this with my mom i just looked over you her look <laughs> i was like you motherfucker you motherfucker the yeah, yeah but the, i think the sorry i don't mean to cut you but no, i think no. i do want to say that the the beautiful thing about the movie for me was 
the the redeeming scene for me is when she's having a talk with Nainai, her Nainai. Yeah. And the you know the whole thing is like they constructed this wedding. Why? Because they thought that the you know, well, the whole point of it is so she can enjoy the final few months of her life. And they assumed that the greatest joy would be to see her first grandson get married. And it's this sort of assumption that that's what grandmothers want to see. Like, <laughs> my grandson yeah, yeah. got married. I can die happy now. And so they have this sort of like private moment between Billy, the granddaughter, and the grand and and her nai And her grandmother basically is like, eh, I don't like that. I don't like that girl. Like, <laughs> she's done. Like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's done. Dumb. Like, what do I care about and, this and stupid Billy's wedding? like, yeah. she doesn't speak Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. she, she's not dumb. She's like, she's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I think what you're getting at is that then, like, because they're doing these like wedding photos and they're just sort of following the couple around. And then I, Nai Nai goes to Billy that when you get married, I'll throw an even bigger party for you. Aww. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that was a. I think yeah. you're right. That was a very subtle like. I think it, 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 it hinted that she knew this whole thing was a charade. Yes. And two, it was like, you know, despite all the boxing out, despite the cold mother, the, the asshole unk, um, the, drunk, the drunk father who's just like, yeah, I don't really want to deal with this shit. You know, <laughs> just go to sleep. Like, no, right? Uh, Too loud. And yeah. <laughs> one, I mean, I think that it was ultimately saying like, you know, despite what the uncle had said to her, despite the mother saying we don't want you there. The kind of truth is the grandmother's favorite was her. Yes. Yeah. Right. So they kind of showed that like everyone is kind of trying hard to, in a way, be more special to that to to her than they really were. Yeah. Right. That whole guilt, that like obscene display of guilt, and his crying at the wedding or whatever. <laughs> I laughed at it because I was like, "Fuck this guy." Like, who's, like, okay, I know you feel guilty now, but what did you ever do about it? You know, so. Yeah, I think, you know. That, I think that was Lulu Wang, like, just really sticking it to that asshole. Right? <laughs> Maybe. Like, that, that asshole was seriously unflattering. Like, that kind of was right up there, like, yeah, tell me how ashamed of yourself you are, you <laughs> dirty piece of shit. Yeah, keep crying. He's, he's not played as, like, a villain, right? Like, no, he, he is given, like... He is a real character. He's not like an evil guy. It's just like he's a little pathetic. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, and it's just also like you know he. I mean, that side of the family has a whole story too, right? right. Like the you know the the cousin was played a little bit for laughs. He's a weird dude, but he has his whole thing too, right? Like he kind of has I a bet, yeah. basically like a breakdown because it's too much stress, and she's like trying to you know uh, Billy tries to comfort him a little bit. Yeah, that was a scene where a lot of people uh, in the theater that I saw it in were laughing. And I was like, I don't like that you're laughing at this because this was like a really, really painful moment. Yeah, like I was when they they were doing the drinking game and he was sort of just as he's getting drunker and drunker. He sort of, you know, as you do when you play a drinking game, you just start losing and losing. You got to drink and drink. And like I was laughing as that was happening. Because I'm like, okay, it's sort of funny. She's playing it for laughs because he's sort of losing and losing, but he's getting sadder and sadder. And then when he sort of has that breakdown, I'm like, oh, shit, okay, this isn't really funny anymore. Um, but, yeah, I don't think anyone in my theater, like, laughed at, like, when he was breaking down. I think they laughed as he was getting drunk. Um, yeah, but it was, really, yeah. it was also really... It was also really... 
weird. I don't know why it, it was like this, but then Billy takes him aside. I'm like, why isn't his like bride doing that? Um, why isn't she sort of taking him and comforting him? I thought it was a little weird that Billy was there, but you know, maybe I just I thought it made a lot misinterpreted of it. Um, I mean, throughout the cousin character doesn't actually get a lot of spoken lines, right? Um, and Billy and the cousins practically never interact, except for that one moment. That's entirely silent. I don't think they exchange any words. It's just her extending some comfort to her cousin who's breaking down. It makes sense that it would be, it would have to be family that does it. Okay. Um, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, I mean, I guess it makes like emotional sense or, or like practical sense that the wife would be the one um, to be comforting her sham husband, right? <laughs> um, but just in the arc of the movie, I thought it was nice that, that they, that, they found yeah. a moment to bring the two cousins together. That makes and sense. And to show... Like how much emo- like that there is connectedness, but a whole lot of distance in between, right? Okay, like that- there's clearly goodwill. They're the um, only two people yeah. that understand each other, right? Because they're, they're not yeah. completely yeah. Chinese, right? But they're yeah. in the same. They're in the same boat, and they're just they're alienated from each other too. It's not even like they both came were both like born and raised in America. Right? One is Chinese Japanese, one is Chinese American. I I don't know how how you would start to navigate that shit. No, that's true. It makes sense now that you guys explain it to me. I, I just know that when I was watching it, I was like expecting narratively for his wife to do it, but it definitely makes more sense that it it was like that cousin moment. And now that you sort of you're talking about how they're they're close but they're apart, the way that they frame the scene where it's sort of like a chair and stuff between them, but she's sort of reaching out and sort of touching him, sort of also frames that sort of. They're far apart, but she's trying to comfort him. So that that works too. Now that I now that I think about it, in that context, I, I want to talk a little bit about the like how the movie got made and just sort of where like I don't if if what this movie says about uh, I don't know, Asian American media representation, which is this topic that I find difficult to grasp based on how people. Well, anyway, there was uh, yep. a series of. I mean, this movie's getting a lot of play on the festival circuit, I guess, right? And or it was, and uh, and it's getting a lot of like uh, critical buzz mm-hmm. and stuff. There Absolutely. was there was a story she's been telling the story. Lulu Wang, the director and uh, I guess writer as well, had told a story about you know her. I did someone contact her about doing the film? Like when she gave a pot, she had she did a episode of this american life the podcast about Mm. this story right right and that had sort of been the seed of her trying to make this into a movie but in the in the sort of like pitch meetings i guess they she was saying that they were suggesting that what billy needs is a white love interest that will she'll be the fake uh uh uh, she'll be the the fake bride and she'll bring a like a white man over to China. That'll be the audience's entry point into the story through the white man. Mm. But what the story, what the movie needs to be, they needs to be have an arc, and the arc will be that this phony love now has become a true, <laughs> true love, right? And she was like, yeah, no. Fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do that because that's not the fucking story. They right? also wanted it to be in English. Yeah, yeah, entirely in English. Um, and she stuck to her guns, and she said no. And and they were like, 
okay, we were just bluffing. We'll still make the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's there's a lesson there. Yeah. To be honest, there's that's, a lesson there, right, Millie? Really Where if you like stick to your guns and you have a good enough story and 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 uh, you know and and people are interested to meet you, you don't have to always just make these compromises. Like it could get done, right? Well, who knows? It's true. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I. So this movie, to your point, teen, this movie has done really well critically, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I think on, I've seen um, very few negative reviews. Um, it has actually, very uh, high. I was reading a thing on today, actually, saying that it's uh, despite smaller release, the per theater average is higher than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Right. Ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly. Uh, and so. you know the the film. Wait, why isn't it one hundred? <laughs> That's right. Where's the 1%, guys? Who's that bastard? Um, the film went to Sundance, which in indie film land is a big deal. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of where uh, the better independent films tend to get picked up. And so, you know, that's what happened with the movie. Um, and they've also, um, since then... I think the Institute has awarded Lulu, you know, with uh, their Vanguard Award. Um, Which Institute? The Sundance, Sundance Institute. Institute. Okay. Sundance is a big deal in okay. in film. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it started off as a, I forget how old Sundance is. It's been around since at least the 70s or so. Um, and it's an organization that, Purports to support independent voices in film, but as with every, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I think Sundance has become just as Hollywood as Hollywood is in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, mm -hmm. um, which kind of sucks. You know, it's uh, pros and cons as with everything. Um, what uh, what do you? I guess what do you think? How did Sundance or how did this movie become like the dar the darling of Sundance or whatever? Like how it just seems unlikely to me that that would happen. Does it? I guess so. Because I because mean, based I on like her telling people like, you know, I'm not going to take any of your suggestions in terms of how I'm going to make this movie. The just the overall Chineseness of the film. I'm, I'm saying this because I'm surprised, but like just the overall Chineseness the peculiarity or particularity of the story, it's, I, I, I couldn't exactly glean why suddenly this became popular. I'm just curious, like, you know. I know what you mean in a way, but I actually think I've given this some thought and I feel this is actually a pretty mainstream film. Mm -hmm. I do not feel this is a film that challenges the status quo or that challenges ideas, American, white Americans, but just American, you know, I ideas of what Asian-ness is. Mm -hmm. In fact, maybe in some ways quite the opposite. I, I don't think that uh, the filmmaker was purposely pandering necessarily, you know. Um, I think she was telling a story from her life experience, and there's a lot of truth and authenticity in it. But at the same time, the fact that the movie has been so well-received tells me that um, 
there are a lot of expectations, you know, the that the audiences expect that the mainstream audiences' expectations of Asian culture are being confirmed, reinforced, reinforced. You know, of what China is like, of what um, Asian families are. You know, for me, honestly, this is just becoming sort of a – it's a cliché, you know. The the whole – the film about the traditional, eccentric Asian family involving odd cultural, you know, customs, um, food, Asian food. Why does an Asian movie have to be about Asian food? Feature, have to feature Asian food. Yeah. Um, I I I think I know. I I mean I gather that this move like I don't think Chinese audiences would particularly get much from this movie. Like, and I and I see what you're saying. I think that the reason I'm surprised by it is simply because there's no white people in the movie, and every single like that is always the pattern. Like they mm. did this movie a couple years back about Bruce Lee. Of course, they're going to do a Bruce Lee movie called Birth of the Dragon. And, you know, white male protagonist Bruce Lee is a secondary character in his own movie. Or you'll see stuff like, I remember there was a movie about Taiwan, because they never make movies about Taiwan. And it was like, for some movie, some crap movie called like Formosa Betrayed. Like, no one calls it Formosa. I was going to ask, do they actually call it Taiwan? They call it Formosa Betrayed. And then they have, yeah. This, yeah. the main character is James too. Vanderbeek. You know, I'm like, oh Dawson, like, what? Oh. all right, whatever. You know, even um, Ang Lee's first crossover movie, The Wedding Wedding Banquet, was uh, kind of centered around um, a white male love interest in this sort of. That's uh, right. Who yeah. had to, he was he was, was part almost, of like, a, it was a gay love interest right? yeah. that had to kind of stay in the background and stuff. But it was about his, it was really about his, um, you know, his. The way he was being pushed to this right. background, or whatever. So it's always like, and then of course, when she tries to go make the movie, they're like, "Where's your white guy?" Like, I don't see a white. So I felt like, although the movie, I guess for me, it was like, yeah, this movie to me, and I, and the same thing happened when I watched Crazy Rich Asians or whatever. I didn't think necessarily that this as a f- piece of film was so awesome or innovative or whatever. I'm just saying that. It's amazing that this was made because the only people that I would have assumed would have been interested in this would be Asian-American people. And then you go and it's like the, the theater is like mostly white. The, the white critics are like loving it. Um, Crazy Rich Asians had like everyone wants to go see it. I was just surprised. Mm. And is that changing? Is that Well, now... I mean, I do think some of it has to do with, you know, the uh... – with Hollywood's recent interest in promoting diversity, um, which of course we know to be, mm. t- to some degree, you know, to varying degrees, insincere, right, and self-congratulatory, and I also think uh, defensive, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. sort of like, well, we don't want to be the studio who hasn't done a film with an Asian woman, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to be that guy. Um, so there's that, of course, you know, I think that, um, Lulu Wang is a very easy director to support. Yeah. You know, um, 
it's I mean so I mean it is like uh Diana I know we had this got this there was a very contentious discussion on uh a chat about this but I mean Barry Jenkins is going to come up because that's her they're they're in a relationship together they're like the Hollywood oh, wait, Lulu and Barry are Lulu Wang and Barry oh, Jenkins director okay. of uh, Moonlight yeah, yeah they're like sort of like the sort of auteur Mm-hmm. A power couple of Hollywood now, I would guess, with this movie having succeeded to the extent right. it did, sort of, of like, indie Hollywood, of indie, yeah, right, definitely. Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say it's the moonlight of Asian Americans, but it is kind. I mean, you're right, right? Like mm-hmm. it is kind of uh, displaying ourselves just the way Moonlight did for uh, a white upper crust uh, audience. I would say. I mean, these indie films are always for the sort of upper crust, right? This isn't right. going to be art like house crowd, art house crowd, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Um, I actually saw a lot of um, enthusiasm for it in uh, uh, here in LA in Hispanic circles. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, um, and it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I think given our unique positioning. In the in American history, maybe this is maybe the signal will be strongest to other Asian Americans. But taking a step back, this is a story about immigration. Right. Everyone who has this in their recent family should be able to find some truth in this. So the reviewers were like, "Yeah, this is just some fucked up. Like, I don't have any. Like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> Go back two generations to whoever got off Ellis Island." And you'll see this writing come out. And, you know, that separation was permanent. Right? So if you read, like, Irish-American writing from, you know, from New York in, like, the 19, you know, the 19-teens or 20s, like, you see these same themes play out. And it's even more heartbreaking because, you know, if you were an Irish immigrant then, you're never going back home. That connection is permanently separate. Right. So you see the guilt and the anguish that these people have in talking about the families that they've cut you know, ties with back home, um, and then knowing that, that per- that's, that's a permanent thing that, that can never be undone. Right? It's not hard to replace like, so you. Have y'all, y'all ever seen Coco? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. Coco. Sorry, is- Coco. Coco. The, the, um, not, not your dog. That, the, uh, no. Coco. The, um, the Pixar movie. Um, I, I can't see that, no. Oh, oh you, my you, God. You never love it. Go-go. It is really good. It's a good movie, yeah. Uh, I know it's yeah. like Disney, or what is it? Well, it's Pixar, but it's Hollywood and everything, but it's it about, is uh, fantastic. But it's about you know, Mexican family. I mean, it's um, it, you know, it's, a, it's an animation, so. Yeah. But it's it's about a Mexican family. It's about grandparents. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of similar in a way, <laughs> uh, right? It's kind of similar. Yeah, but, yeah. In a weird way, uh, because it's it's about. Um, it deals with death. Well, it deals with death. It's similar in the way that all movies about family and death are similar. Yeah. And separation, because what's the more right. final, like... But it's extremely... Well, I bring it up because it's extremely... Drama. It's extremely uh, particular to uh, to Mexican immigration into the... It, I, I, you don't want to say into the U.S., but that's essentially what the setup is so, supposed to conjure. And that has nothing to do with me. But as I watched it, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the only movie that Teen has cried to. Uh, that was, yeah, that Co- like Coco was a rough life. movie. Coco was a rough movie, it's, man. Sque- it squeezed out a tear. <laughs> it squeezed out movie. a tear. It was a rough movie, man. He had to it's really try. Yeah. Try, try not to cry. And it cured half the world's I mean, cancer. The first, time, <laughs> yeah. the first time I saw Farewell the theater, was uh, it was a matinee, and I picked a... It was playing at Arclight, um, which is a pretty That's a cool name for a theater. Uh, a pricey uh, movie theater in Los Angeles. Uh, they they came out strong for the farewell. They were doing screenings like on the hour, every hour for like That's a great. week. It was um, like in the pre-release. Yeah, Angelica uh, too. What that did mean is that at any given uh, screening, there's not that many people there. So it was me, right. like a couple of other Asian people, and then right, and then the row right beneath me was this elderly uh, Eastern European couple. Huh. Um, they were sobbing their eyes out. Mm. That makes some sense. Like, it does. The, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. When I the mean, credits started yeah. rolling, I felt like we had gone through like a group therapy session <laughs> together <laughs> in the same room. Yeah, it's it was great. Totally, I, I can't place the language, but like like Eastern Europe, I, I briefly thought about it, but it seemed like the wrong moment to like tap them on the shoulder and be like, so. Yeah. yeah. Or the exact yeah. right moment. Um, it's totally an immigrant narrative, and specifically yeah. an immigrant yeah. narrative about people who are immigrating because of recent suffering of some kind. So I totally understand, like the Polish immigrants, the Irish immigrants, mm. the um, Latinx immigrants, even like, like the Russians. Yeah, even the Russians, yeah. like they probably have the yeah. most like in common with like the Chinese diaspora. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, like post nineteen. I'm gonna go further and say everyone in America, including white people, needs yeah. to get off their high horses about oh, this. For, Most, yeah. Look, everyone, everyone in this country who got was not exactly crushing it back home. Yeah. <laughs> that that's there the is. yeah that's the lie about like the colonists. People like to think that they came over like, like as like noble explorers. Like nah, Europe didn't want your ass. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You didn't. I, yeah. Like, like, no, like, it's not like you're the Duke of Sandwich and decided to just, like, come on over to Virginia on a lark, right? <laughs> like, everyone in this country has this trauma in their family. So I don't fucking give a shit, A.O. Scott of the New York Times, that you don't what want did to say? What did That's because what? you can't pull God your head it. out of your own damn What did he say what, what, did, what did Scott say this time? I can't stand that guy. What did he say? Uh, he was like, the premise is ludicrous, but once you get over that, you see, what? you know, a lot of emotional richness in the storytelling Ugh. based on, you know, a totally, un, you know, a totally alien, you know, like, custom thing. Alien? He said alien? I'm sure he, he didn't say alien, but uh, so I'm heavily paraphrasing. But, <laughs> um, I mean, he did say that the, pre- the starting premise of the movie was ludicrous, and he seems to have seen this movie as kind of a comedy of errors. Oh, fuck A.O. Scott. That, that, that is... bitch looks like the bloated corpse of Paul Giamatti. He needs to <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> and Paul Giamatti's not a small man. <laughs> um, and that's the, that's yeah. the intro clip we're using. Yeah. But, like, we're doing I, I intro don't, clips now. That, that is, like, he should just give up his, like, you know, professional film reviewer, like, card. If there's a card for that, just, like, you know, he should give it up. Because that is the most ludicrous interpretation, to use his word, uh, of that film of the farewell that I could even think of. I He's mean, the same guy that Yasmin Nair said uh, the secret life of pets wasn't woke enough. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. the same guy. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait the secret life of pets secret was secret supposed to be pets. woke? <laughs> I thought it was about Never, talking animals. Did you get the memo? <laughs> I mean, talking animals woke, yeah. is like the favorite genre of white people. I swear to God. 
Like th- there were like nine um, preview movies, bef- previews before I saw the farewell, and one of them is called um, the secret, uh, the Sec- the art of racing in the rain, or or something like that, and it's about a dog narrating the life of his owner, and like the dog talks, but like every white person in that theater yeah. was like, yes, I'm gonna see that. That looks good. And I'm Did- like. What is your fascination with animals talking in human voices? There was a whole weird literary genre at some point of like dogs, dogs narrating. Yeah, the dogs the narrating about stuff. A dog, but it centers a human. I fir- Fuck that bullshit. Yeah, I first think it's, I first remember it from like Stephen King and like Dark Tower. He did that, and then was was that like Curious Incident? Was that was that a dog that like narrated that? No, no, no was that was a, a it was, a, was kid. a kid. Okay. I want to test dogs. It's cats too. I want to talk about uh, Aquafina for a sec. Um, Aquafina is really interesting. I thought I wasn't a huge. I knew she was talented because I thought she was very good as an actress in Crazy Rich Asians. Though the character was very funny, uh, and she kind of stole scenes and stuff. Uh, But this movie, when I first heard she was casting it, I was like, "Oh, that's like a hyped up choice." Mm. Uh, There's, you know. Everyone's trying to ride the Aquafina thing or whatever, uh, but I was really imp- impressed. I I thought that um, you know people praise the grandmother a lot, but you know the grandmother's known. I mean, I don't know what she's known as, but she's she plays grandmothers a lot in China. She's sort of like a professional grandma, and <laughs> like so a professional criers, yeah, she's a professional awesome. grandma, yeah. yeah. So like what you're seeing there from the grandma is I've kind been of. Calling her- the people's grandma. The people, yeah, that's what she is. She's <laughs> I, the I people's grandma. Yeah. yeah, she's the people's grandma. <laughs> and so I think what she's gar- giving off there's a little bit of a shtick. Like the, this is not her first, uh, her first uh, grandma rodeo. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so you know, okay, I'm gonna, I just, I'll just leave that there. Um, but I was most impressed with characters that I didn't like. I didn't like the mother. And in a way, well, I really liked Aquafina. I felt a lot of people didn't like her. And um, I, I always liked that the most, right? Because it, it sucks be- playing an, a, a, um, a character that's kind of meant to not be liked but and to do it well. And I feel like a lot of people that I've seen online say that they're not, they've never really liked Aquafina. Some will knock her for using the black scent and, you know, like just having you know, with her, with her little, with the rap album that she had and, and Pake, Pake Lynn and Crazy Rich Asians kind of also using Black Scent. Um, so she gets knocked for that. And then she also gets knocked for being kind of a shitty actress and like a hyped up choice. And I don't know how you all feel about it, but I thought she was great, but like uh, Rachel Chu, who was the main, similar, you know, Queen's girl, right? Same thing. Uh, finds herself in Asia in, um, you know, dealing with Asian shit. That I felt like a lot of people didn't, didn't really, also didn't really like um, Constance Wu in that movie. And I feel like it's weird that you, there's two movies that people love, but the a, the main character, who's an Asian American woman from Queens, is just kind of unloved, unliked. And I, I, my theory was that we don't really—it's a sign of like Asian American self-loathing. 
we in a way we recognize that that's like I thought she was a very I thought Aquafina Billy was a very accurate and subtle rendering and I thought that that made sense because the movie was almost tailored it was like a tailored suit for her I mean it was like bespoke everything about all the details Aquafina came over at around that time she grew up in Queens she had a relationship with her grandma you know all all of it was her right um and I think to come away feeling like you know I'm not really I, I just feel like there's a little bit of us that's like it's kind of like catching a mirror image of yourself and you're kind of mm. not you know like we're like ooh <laughs> you well, know I I mean I didn't have any issues with the character I thought the character was well rendered um I thought her performance was a little one note mm -hmm. that really that it struck me that way especially in the first viewing the first time I saw the movie um, the second time, I, I perceived it a little bit differently. You know, it, it, it seemed to me, I liked the movie a lot better the second time. Um, there was, <laughs> I was telling Mark earlier that uh, I'm in a really dark place with Asian American films right now. Mm -hmm. You know, just <laughs> feeling pretty yeah. sensitive. Whenever whenever one comes out, you know, yeah. a film that that that. that was made yeah. by an Asian American. I mean, there's like the minute I, you know, see something online about it, I might just feel this like pit of dread in my stomach, you know, like I have to like yeah. take a minute yeah. and kind sure. of like <laughs> before I before I click on the link and read the article. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Um, Oh, I totally lost my Your train of thought. Your second viewing. Right. So on the second viewing, it seemed to me, it struck me more that uh, this character was trying to hold back. You know, she was she was mm. um, in a very emotional place and, um, you know, was trying not to fall apart. Right. So I, I sort of understood that. Um, oh, right. The... Uh, <laughs> The being in a dark place with watching Asian American films, um, I, I, I was telling Mark that I. It, it's so hard for me now to watch an Asian film with a non-Asian audience. You know, I after watching The Farewell um, once in a in a non-Asian crowd, and then the second time, almost alone in a theater this morning at ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> Um, Dedication, people. It it just really struck me how much more focused I was able to be, right. you know, while watching it alone, um, and how much more pleasurable the movie was, you know, when I didn't have the weird self consciousness of being Asian in a non Asian crowd. So I've now vowed <laughs> I'm going to see these films with Plan A peeps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or alone. Wow. Um, as alone as you can get. Yeah. Well, I think the self-consciousness aspect, like, that really gets to me. Like, I totally understand that. And I think even Aquafina's performance, like, the first part of it where she's in America, and especially at the beginning where she's interacting with that Greenpeace woman, mm. she was kind of, she, like, had a black scent, like, at that I part. I noticed that. She went into, like, Aquafina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was, like, that was, like, so cringy to me. And I could tell, like, when she was in the U.S. scenes, she had this, like, put-upon face. It's, like, mm. her American face. Or, like, she was, like, code-switching to something that she knows 
people are expecting of her. But then when she gets to China and she's like interacting with the grandma character, it, I felt like she just like was lost in the role. Like I just mm. saw the character and I really enjoyed you didn't all see of her. Yeah, I really enjoyed all of the rest of that. And I wonder if it's like that's how she grew up and came to like just navigate society, and that's who she is. And um, we can, you know, criticize her for appropriation or whatever, but like maybe there's a reason she is the way she is, and we should think about that instead. I I've never been of the of the opinion that she's sort of putting on her um her black scent or her, her that i think that that's her right i think that mm-hmm. she grew up in queens in a certain era in a certain neighborhood and that that's sort of how she grew up so i don't i don't i've, I've never uh, been of the opinion that she's sort of just doing it for fame oh right? i mean there, there are i'm people not saying who you say, are saying that yeah there are people who say that yeah. because like they point to like interviews where she's not using that mm-hmm. like you know stagey kind right. of pre- presentation and she's like see she's just putting it on when she's you know but people do that all the time yeah it's just code switching right? uh, I, I and think the issue is it's not like is code switching bad is is she as right. an asian person allowed, allowed to switch to like a yeah, uh, uh, we won't get into that because yeah, that's another anyway, two hours of conversation. But that, that was my take yeah. on Aquafina. Anyway. Uh, I, I yeah, I mean, I get, I totally get what you're saying, Diana. Like, uh, I, and it's interesting that that Tina said that like uh, her character in the farewell is like people don't like her. I actually really liked her. Like, I thought she was likable. I, I, I as a character, I'm like, this person, I, could, I could like this person. She could be a friend of mine. Like, I, mm-hmm. she. She reminded me like a lot of people I know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and I don't hate those people. I think they're likable people. Um, so it's very interesting that you, like, I, I don't quite, like, why would you, why do you say that she was someone that was unlikable or that someone or that people, broadly speaking, when they view the film, don't like her? Well, I first think that there's, I mean, I think it's different contingents, right? The first is the contingent that says that she's basically a fake character because. It's like, yeah, like she code switches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, people view that as inauthentic, right? So there's that. And then, like, I do think, uh, this is just my theory. I can't confirm this. But I think, like, watching her speak, her Chinese, I actually thought, my theory on it is that her Chinese is actually pretty good and that she actually had to no dumb it down for the film. Because she ah. speaks a little faster than someone with, like, a really terrible accent normally would. So she's a little bit more fluent than her accent kind of suggests. So I think she was actually Americanizing her Chinese. If she came over, yeah, I at- think so. I noticed that too. Um, she did. Uh, she did a brief. Uh, there was a clip that I saw of her doing an interview, actually in China, to promote Crazy Rich Asians oh. a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And she actually sounds way different. Like her man. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a Mandarin speaker. Um, but it was interesting that the. Like the, her cadence and her conversational flow in that clip was a lot different um, than the American accent tinged Mandarin that I could pick up on in I, the farewell. I would have assumed if she came over here at six or I don't know what age she came over here, but she was born in China, comes over, not Billy, Aquafina, she, and she moves to um, Rigo Park in Queens. Um, 
her Chinese is going to sound better than that. So I think she dumbed it down in yeah. a way. And I, I liked how she did that because I, I do think that when there's a bit of self-recognition in seeing someone, and this is another part of the movie that really fascinated me because I think some Koreans have been doing, some Korean Americans have been doing this. They've been going with the Korean, the Americanized Korean on film. And normally that's played to some degree of, of mocking and laughter. And I think that there's, you know, like you say, there's an anxiety, like, or like a, you know, for me, there's, when I'm watching stuff that they you have earmarked Asian American representation, I always get cringy and super cynical. And yep. when she started speaking Chinese, I was like, fuck, are they going to play this for laughs, you know, and whatever. And they didn't. I, I just don't think that, I think it was just like, this is a character who speaks Americanized Chinese, period. And yeah. that's how I we're going to play the movie. I felt like it was a... I picked up on that. I thought that was actually a really good call, um, right? And because especially in looking at, say, Asian-American criticism mm -hmm. of Asian-American work, right? There's a lot of cr criticism, like, Aquafine is Chinese fucking suck, right? Mm -hmm. What the fuck was up with that shit? Like, what do you want her to sound? What, what are you expecting her to sound like? It would, it would, yeah. like, it would be I, inauthentic I if she like, was, like, perfectly fluent as that character. Yeah. There's this expectation, um, that if you see this representation of a dual cultural immersed, dually culturally immersed person, that they would be perfectly fluent on both sides. Um, but the raw fact of the matter is that if you're second generation born and raised, or at least came into adulthood in America, you're going to lean closer to English fluency than, um, than you know, the mother tongue. And I think that's 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 okay. In fact, that's probably closer to reality than some hyper-fluent Mandarin speaker, right, who happens to code switch seamlessly between America and China. Like, that's not, that's, that's, yeah, and, and that's the, exceedingly rare in the, in the social context. Uh, yeah. Assuming, and I, I, I do think they did that, but I think the, the actual intentional artistic decision to make her Chinese worse than it was and to say that mm -hmm. they wanted it that way was super interesting uh -huh. to me. Um, but I do, yeah. I do think it's kind of tough to take that in, in a way for some people, I think I gather. Well, just for me, like, I don't even know what you might not Chinese even is it. supposed to sound like. I yeah. mean, I, I do, mm -hmm. but I, I will not be able to differentiate between, oh, this person really sucks and that person doesn't. I, like, I, maybe if it's like really bad. Right. But, but I heard she that people. She sounds like my friends. She sounds, I grew up in a pretty heavily, um, Chinese American, uh, hood. So most of my friends are Chinese American. Um, with few exceptions, most of them sound like that when they, yeah. when I hear them speak to their parents or family at formal events, including that little hesitancy um, that I think like, Alcina captured really well. I mean, the closest is um, like if like Korean, right? If I'm around like my Korean friends or like even my my wife who's speaking like she speaks Korean very well, but like being in Korea and hearing like people who you know grew up and speak basically mainly Korean. Um, yeah, you can you can tell a difference, but I haven't had as much exposure, I think, to, to Chinese and what's like proper and what's mm -hmm. not. Sure. So yeah, it's tough. Like I I wouldn't yeah that like teen saying oh yeah they really dumbed it down and probably Aquafina is better. Like I didn't catch that. I, I, like I I think I caught it and it, I thought it was a very uh, canny artistic move, especially in like in context to what her character arc is. Which is, you know, it's an ex what does it mean to be a family given all this, all these layers of separation, right? She's trying her damnedest with her flawed Mandarin, 
right, barging in, barging into a family reunion she was bossed out of. She was doing her damnedest to be part of this. I mean, her the language barrier was definitely a part of what Wang had in was she was thinking about that because I know it had come up with the you know the the Japanese cousin and how he doesn't speak any Chinese. Yeah, and um, you know I just thought it was really interesting how. And important, I think, that they started to say there is such a thing as, like, Americanized Chinese, and that's just how they talk, you know, like, how we talk, whatever. <laughs> but it came out, like, when Steven Yun did it in Burning, he was, it wasn't clear what his character was, because some people, he speaks entirely in Korean, and it's meant to be fluent, but I don't know if it, I don't know if his Korean, like, again, I don't it, know, because I'm not Korean, I, but yeah. I don't know if it passed off as, like, natively no, fluent no. and I, he so, got shit from people so my, for having my, bad yeah. Korean my right? wife so. said that you know he it definitely wasn't it was fluent the way that like she would be fluent or like someone who was raised like a diaspora Korean would be fluent in Korean like where they they they, they have good vocabulary like they can speak Korean very comfortably but the accent is wrong um, so right, like, or it was it's a little sort of more formal thing. than Yes. Yeah. Would be from someone who they don't have all the slang. They haven't Korean. kept up with that. Um, I could so feel that. I'm sure you way. could too, Jess. Yeah. It's like a My Fair yeah. Lady. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> but that, that criticism is so misplaced. Yeah. Like, yeah. So what know. is like talking about like oh Aquafina's Mandarin fucked in the farewell? How dare they? You know, like how could they pass this off as the Chinese? It's not Chinese. It's Chinese-American. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's how <laughs> she would talk. The entire right? point. That's how that character would talk, mm -hmm. and it's integral to the story. And, right? and, that, and that goes yeah. to, I think, what you were said earlier, Tina, that Chinese audiences are probably not going to get much from The Farewell because it's a very Chinese-American film, right? It's not a film for people in China. It's a film for people, you know, Chinese people in America, um, which is an important distinction. I mean, I think there's a lot of difference there. Um, I thought it was interesting that they made it this the decision to have Billy speak more Chinese than her cousin because Billy's in America and her cousin is in Japan. So like if it's an East versus West thing, like he's still in the East, but he's more he's more cut off than Billy is. Yeah, his casting was interesting too because I noticed he didn't really look like anybody else. That's true. He <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, he yeah. didn't look very. Everyone, I think everyone else sort of looked Chinese, and he didn't, in my mind. Right. I mean, the the yeah, girlfriend no, almost he looked more Chinese. Kind of yeah. Japanese, but he's supposed to be half Japanese. Oh, is he half? Oh, that's yeah. right, because. Like the uncle, but he doesn't look the uncle Japanese. had a Japanese wife. Ah. That was, like, that was part of the story. Okay, mm -hmm. I yeah. totally missed that because now that I think about it, yeah, the uncle's wife wasn't there, right? Right. Uh -huh. That's right. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So speaking of the uncle, I felt like a cousin that cousin's character my cousin character actually illuminates the uncle character a lot more in his ultimate hypocrisy. Yeah, I gotta watch so this again because I've missed so much and you, I thought you do. Wow. Uh, I mean this movie made me believe in what it gave me a sharper notion of what Asian American art can be or what it is. Um, like we talk about representation and it's always been kind of a nebulous idea. You know, like to simply get a piece of the Marvel superhero pie or like collect some mm. dollars from some blockbuster. But the real like meaning of it, the vision of it was still a little, I, I still couldn't really quite buy into it. I think this movie really helped shape my thinking on that because I don't think this movie could have been made by anyone 
other than a diaspora uh, Chinese person. Yeah, agreed. And I don't think anyone outside of that that second generation flesh, uh, more broadly speaking, direct like descendants of immigrants uh, experience. I don't think anyone who isn't that can quite understand it in its entirety. So, like to me, this was a very clear uh, example of true like Asian American art. So I think um, so. We've got. Um... We've been we we're at like what an hour thirty plus or something. Yeah, uh, we're sit, we're sitting in the studio. And we actually have uh, if all goes according to plan, we're gonna have uh, New York State Assemblyman Ron Kim join us uh, in Yay. in twenty minutes or so, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a whole host of things related to politics. In the meantime, I guess maybe we could um, let's wrap. Let's, I got- one more thing to say oh, about please, the, yeah. the yes. farewell. Go ahead. Yes. Um, and this, I think for, for a few decades now, a lot of Asian American diaspora, like 2G writing, uh, has been very critical of what they see as you know, first generation immigrants, uh, it, their parents' generation's transgressions against them. And it is often too easy to collapse that down into an East versus West kind of conflict. You know, the whole trope, not quite, you know, not quite Asian, not quite American. Or, you know, my parents expect me to be, you know, conformist and collectivist and be dedicated to the family and, you know, dedicate my life to, you know, you know, doing honor to the family name and pushing, you know, self-sacrifice in the name of the family, right? Versus mm-hmm. I want to go, you know, shoot mess and paint <laughs> shitty things um, for Twitter likes or something, like whatever, right? It's the, and I always thought like Instagram, that Jess, Instagram. Deeply, I guess, yeah, that's what the kids do now, huh? They shoot meth and the draw shitty things for Instagram, <laughs> for the gram. Um, I always thought that critic critique was, was very shallow, right, and mm-hmm. also incomplete. And the farewell kind of helped me close the loop on what that, what that meant. Like that, that, um, that really condescending self-serving to the uncle gift. Billy, you know, the whole, like, you're in the West, you think your life belongs to yourself. We here in the East, we cherish family. We understand what it means to sacrifice truly in the name of the family. Bitch, you left, right? If all of that is true, how dare you leave, right? You want to lecture, like, you want to lecture, and I I realize I'm saying me instead of Billy, but, you know, fuck it, this is what representation means. I should put myself in issue. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're telling me Mm -hmm that I don't have a dedication to family, that I have the selfish, atomized way of thinking about the individual and, and the individual place in a, in a collective good, and you somehow are a paragon of Eastern virtue in right. re- understanding the true nature of family. You left. That makes your transgression the original one. Right? Yeah. We are responding to the circumstances that your generation put us in, but at the same time, you're holding us accountable for what you did first. So that's what, like that that hypocrisy wrangles. Oh, for sure. So the, I mean, so the Asian American critique, like, oh, my parents are so dedicated to this collectivist notion of family. No, they're not. If they actually were, they wouldn't have left home. Right. I, so I, this isn't this this isn't some some debate like so. Collapsing this down to some East versus West debate is completely missing the point. I think it's true that, I think we feel the pull of family deeper. And I think that's what Billy's entire storyline is 
about, feeling cut off from that, trying her damnedest, you know, pu- putting a plane ticket on a credit card when she couldn't even pay rent, right, to make it out to see her family. Right. Yeah, what's her mom? What is her mom's like long term plan here? Right? She's like, you're a stock that doesn't pay dividends or what? Like, like that. What, like, what is her mom's fucking plan? You know, like, her uh, mom is yeah. just bitter because I think she was like, you know, maybe realizing that she made a mistake, you know, and like she's just yeah. bitter now. And she's like, all she can do is like, she can't go back in time. She can't really go forward in time well, with she's her still dreams. Cl- and she's still clinging on to like this whole. You know, I mean, frankly, it's some kind of bullshit dick measuring contest well, between yeah. her and well, the was the that other sister in law yeah. or sister in law or something like that. Uh, yeah, who, didn't, no. who never left, and then right, they're, and they're sort of looking down on. They're them really and, rich and, and or whatever. No, yeah, they're no. not. They're not rich. Oh, they're, they're not, not rich. No. Okay, but they're they're ambitious or something. They're, like they're, just, they're, they're just trying to rub it in to say like, right, oh, you yeah. should, you know, you think well, you Americans are hot shit, but oh no, the real money's now to be made in China. Right in China, and then she's and then. The mother was like, yeah, but if you ever made money, you know the first thing you would do is send your kid to Stanford or whatever the fuck. Right? Harvard like, or whatever. They, yeah. or they just so, wanted to go to so college like, in America, yeah. yeah well, that's where I was going to, yeah. is that, like, the only thing the mom has is, like, defending her choice, right? And defending the fact that America is always going to be better than China and being really nasty about it. Um, so I think that's sort of, like, it, the mom is a bitch, but, like, she's really sad to me. Like, she, she's more of a, she's a tragic sort of figure yeah i mean not to get maudlin but to me that ties a little bit back to the bird you Mm. know for me that image is the image of that bird that little bird alone in the wrong place without its flock oh i see you know is very much what this movie's about Ah. you know it's about alienation that that makes sense so what about the last did you take a get a read on that last i didn't really understand the last scene with like when she suddenly has like a, a rush of chi on the street in New York. Mm-hmm. Ah! And, then and then we the cut birds. to the birds flying yeah. out of the tree. Yeah. A, I think the, the gra- I think she China. did it and then yeah, the, the birds in China, it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The birds in China felt that ha. <laughs> well, was it was it supposed to be her was it supposed to be Billy's ha sort of like resonating all the way over or was it the grandmother and Billy sort of doing it at the same time? Because I, I don't know, because I, I didn't quite recognize that the voice was the same. Maybe it was supposed to be I Billy's voice. I think the voice. take was, I don't think it was metaphysical. I think there was that scene where um, her nai was teaching right. her how to do the Hadouken. <laughs> Grandma Hadouken. One-handed Hadouken. Yeah. And then, um, but, but she was trying to t- tell her how to right. channel her chi. Be bold, you know, just yeah. be, be a bold granny. Uh, and, um, I gather that that meant that some, some sort of, some sort of something snapped, something connected in her mind or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what quite was, but something about her grandmother, the lesson that she was trying to teach her, Mm -hmm. um, suddenly hit her and the spirit of the Hadouken just came out (laughs) and it was moving birds. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a weird, I didn't really get the ending, but I guess that that's what she was going for. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I just got it as a sign that something was resolved. Yes, right? exactly. Right. Yeah. Some yeah. connection yeah. was made, and she was the, finally the trauma, able to let out no, the chi. Yeah. Suddenly, get, suddenly getting displaced and immig- like getting immigrated, basically against her will, right? Kind of without agency, without a say, without much, you know, much uh, consent to anything that really happens after that um, with her I, family, I, and I, then she goes back, and then she finds her place in that whole 
um, in that family. I suspect she was walking down the street, feeling annoyed, thinking about all the things that happened, and then suddenly she was like, my mom is a lost person, and she's a total <laughs> bitch, and I really shouldn't have to listen to her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. All right. So, I, I have one last slide. Sure, go ahead. Keep going. We'll just I, keep going. Yeah. Forget, I, forget Bruce Lee. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about some other stuff. Well, no, forget, forget Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Yeah. No, I, I just feel like I think what's uh, uniquely Asian about this movie is that, like, not only is it just immigration from a place, it's like, like, what's changed in China and in Korea in the last, like, generation is, like, so monumental and so huge that, like, home is just gone like there's that scene where billy is like riding in the taxi and somebody points out like oh this is where you used to live it's just luxury condos now like you're like and she's just like frantically looking out the window trying to like find something to remember but she can't and like that's not just true of like um the second generation but like my parents when they go back they're just like everything's unrecognizable like there's nothing there yeah and like my parents say the same yeah and even like um people who are there now like they've been displaced temporally and like you know the economic progress that's been going on in china like a lot of people working class people are still left behind and you can kind of like see that in the movie where like that one aunt doesn't know how to read still and like the younger sister of Nai Nai is like taking care of her but she's like not doing well you know like her husband is a migrant worker or something and she's like yeah maybe yeah, I'll. yeah. so it's just like it's everybody's just trying to put on appearances of doing well and just just to like get by yeah, capitalism uh, gives and it takes. But you're right, and I think that the that makes the, you know the the whole uncle spiel. I thought I thought was a lot of, um, it was a like if you could. Say, I saw the whole movie as a bit of like the the whole the thing that the uncle says about like oh we're all part of a whole you know like it's not just your life. You're to keep that idea alive. They had to come up with a huge. Um, make-believe event because you're right the reality is that this family has already been torn apart mm -hmm. by you know immigration and by the, the the need to go to where the, the work is and the fact that if you can't even stay because we're about to destroy your old childhood home anyway and build condos uh, and so I felt like there was it was it was a bit of um, the fact that the you know, some people were a little bit more aware of who really needed that lie. And it mm -hmm. wasn't the grandmother. It was the, you know, it was everyone in that family that needed some excuse to pretend like they're a, still a family. So, Ron's here. okay. All right. So I guess uh, Ron's here. We're going to wrap this up for this episode. Uh, really enjoyed. I didn't think we would go this long on, uh, on the farewell. So I knew we would. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>